This week we're going uphill, my friends. That's right. We talk about the uphill New England pass this week on the Ski Rex Media Podcast. Hey to you all, this is Tim from Ski Rex Media, welcoming you to another Ski Rex Media podcast. The Ski Rex Media podcast, brought to you in part by Whaleback Mountain. If you've never been to Whaleback Mountain, I think you should head up and check it out because they are open top to bottom right now. That's right, even I worked the chair. I was bumping chairs there last week, and it was wonderful to see everybody out there, to see every, everybody just enjoying themselves, the smiling faces, everybody getting back onto Whaleback from the top to the bottom it is wonderful one of the most accessible hills i've ever been to it's my home mountain it's right off of i-89's exit 16 in enfield new hampshire very easy to get to it is the main thing off the exit and they have everything you can want in a small package if you want groomed runs they have groomed runs do you want natural runs they have natural runs they have trees they have a rental shop you can rent all the gear you need they can teach you how to use that gear they have quite the complement of ski instructors this year there's so many i don't even know a fraction of their names yet there are so many whale back mountain man easy to learn easy to ride but will still test you if you wanted to it's a great place everything you want in a small package that doesn't cost a lot it is wonderful whale back mountain ski it to believe it the longtime listeners and fans know this part. Please subscribe to the Ski Rex Media Podcast on your favorite podcasting app or Podbean. The Ski Rex Media Podcast is available on many, many different podcast apps and platforms. Choose the one you like the best and then subscribe to the program. You can also head to SkiRexMedia.com. There you can find links to the podcast, to the merch shop, to the Patreon, to the SpeakPipe voicemail system. If you go there, you click record, you can send me a voicemail, which we're going to deal with here in a minute. The second voicemail Skirex Media has ever received. It's very awesome. You can also find links to send me an email. You can find links to the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can send me a DM on those if you would like to participate in the program, or you can just follow along with Skirex Media, Skirex Media Adventures, Skirex Media News, and speaking of news, if you are on the website skirexmedia.com, you can sign up for the Ski Rex Media Newsletter, which is coming out on Thursdays every week right now. All kinds of different stuff in there. You never know what you might see. And as I mentioned, the Ski Rex Media Patreon. Go ahead and check that out. You can get the Ski Rex Media podcast ad-free and earlier in the week if you would like. Or you can check out the e-zine, e-magazine, e-book version of the Poser Chronicles. That's a magazine that I'm trying to get off the ground, in this case, the digital form, and you can read about the Ski Rex Media Adventures there. You can get it for five bucks at the Patreon store, or you can subscribe and get it for three bucks every month. It's very cool. I just started someone into the subscription. We'll talk more about that once we find out. I'm going to let him talk about I'm going to let him read it. I will then let him give me some feedback and then I will tell you who it was and what he thinks and then why you should go do it too. But I think you should go check it out anyway. Ski Rex Media, SkiRexMedia.com, SkiRexMedia on social media, you know the drill. 
Now, we're going to get into something new here. We're going to do a new segment. I am still looking for audience participation to do the Q&A program, to maybe do a new call-in program, anything like that. But while they're starting to trickle in, and they are, I have a few now. Um, I have a few of the voicemails, which is kind of awesome. Plus, I also have some questions on DMs, but only a very few. So I can't make a whole episode out of it. But what I can do is start to address some of them as an opening segment to the, the podcast. Before we get into the interview, and there are inter- there's an interview in this one, there is an interview in the next one, there's an interview in the one after that. Yes, the solo episodes, there were only two because I was in a lull of recordings, and now I have a whole bunch of recordings to go through and edit to bring you a whole bunch of new podcast episodes. But in those episodes, during the recording, or during the recording, yeah, that's real smart. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Tim from Skirex Media, true professional. Um, I have the... <laughs> What I'm trying to get to is that I have the voicemails that have questions and we're going to address some of them here in an opening segment where the fans get to participate and this fan did not leave their name. They did not leave their name, but the question they asked has to do with last week's solo episode. Um, I did a solo episode about littering on, 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 on our ski hills trashing the ski reels it's not fun it's not cool it's disgusting plus i did a, a post on social media about it pretty much insulting people who just chuck their shooter bottles off the lift so let's let's get into that this is a this is a question that is a well oh man am i tongue-tied this week my friends i could edit it all out but i'm not going to i'm just not gonna do it right right this voicemail was left for me anonymously and they ask a question that pertains to last week's episode, The Littering. Here, you check this out, and then I'll answer it. Hi, Kim. What do you think about trash barrels that the ski areas put under lifts? I know you were at Pat's Peak recently, and they have one there with uh, netting around it to increase the uh, target zone. And uh, right under, I think, the, the triple that goes to the top. So just wanted to hear if you thought that was helping or hurting the trash problem. Again, that one was sent in anonymously, which is totally fine. We don't have to use names here. We don't have to do it if you don't want to. But if that listener does want their shout out to be more personalized, you can tell me who you were and I'll tell the world. So that's up to anybody, though. So real quick, just to say that if you do use the voicemail, you don't have to use your name. Phil Puglisi from SkiTalk.com did with his. You heard that at the beginning of last week's episode. And last week's episode is what we're talking about, the littering. Pat's Peak is a place that I love. Um, That might be in my top 10, maybe my top five. I love Pat's Peak, New Hampshire. I do know the trash barrel they're talking about. I think there is more than one, but this one particular is there. If you're riding up the lift, it is the one that goes to the top. You can see as you're going up, there is a barrel and it has a big old wide net built around the top of it there that gives you a better target. So if you were to drop in, you could you could definitely hit the target um, or at least have a better shot of hitting the target if you're throwing your stuff off the lift. Now, here's my thing with it. Is it a good idea? Yeah, it's creative. I guess you could have some fun with it. Um, it gives you a little something to, you know, it, it helps you out if you're going to drop. My problem with that is, and I've seen it a ton of times, I've never tried it. My, my problem with it is it is that it encourages people to throw it off. And yes, they've built the nice wide net to help funnel stuff into the trash can, but not everybody's hitting that. 
I honestly don't know how well it works. That's something I'd have to ask them, and maybe I will if we can get one of their representatives on the old podcast. But I wouldn't have done it, personally. It's just now giving it... I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. You're trying to you're trying any way you can to help. So yeah, you came up with a solution, and that's fine. The problem, I think, with the solution, again, I could be completely wrong, but the reason I wouldn't have done it is because I think it'll make things worse. In the long run, people are just going to start chucking their trash off. They're going to miss. They're not, you know, they're going to see the can. Probably should have done it at the can, but wait and do it up the hill. Um, they're trying to help themselves out, but it doesn't help anything out. People are doing it. The, the, the trick is, and this is why it's such a hard thing to combat, is to get people to just stop doing it. Again, Pat's Peak, love that place. Top 10, easy, maybe even a top five, but that's just asking for it, in my opinion. That's just asking for people to try and hit it and completely miss, especially for those who take an empty plastic bottle on a windy day and like, no, nah, it'll be fine. Like, if you're going to do that, man, you're going to have to leave a little liquid in there to get a little weight so it drops uh, because the wind will take that sucker and it will now go somewhere else on the mounting, rendering your can completely useless or rendering that can completely useless. If it works for them, it works for them. It, it does. Um, I wouldn't do it. I would never have done it. But then I don't run ski mountains. I just ski ski mountains. But the solution that I give is... Everybody, I'm telling you right now, just stop doing it. Don't make a mess of the mountains. It makes the it's just not good for the outdoors. It's not good for any of us. It makes us all look bad. Just stop doing it. But shout out to Pat's Peak for coming up with a solution or at least an attempted solution in a way to get it done. Thank you for the question to you, Anonymous. I hope that was a decent answer. I hope you enjoyed that answer. Uh, if you did not, let me know that, too. You can leave me another voicemail. In fact, I have another anonymous voicemail, sir, and I think that's you as well. The voices sound similar, uh, so I think it might be the same person. Not because they're both anonymous. There could be 80 anonymous messages, and and there's not 80. There's only a few. But, you know, if 80 people left anonymous messages, it doesn't mean they're all the same 80 people. But... If you would like your message on the Ski Rex Media podcast, or if you want to have a not just a question, but a concern, a query, a comment, a random issue, shout outs for birthdays and anniversaries, or just to shout yourself out because you think you're cool and you're in love with yourself or you're and you're a narcissist. That you want to do that bit, that's fine. I'll work around it. Right? Right. Now, on with the podcast, my friends. It is time for us. See, we're doing double segment shows now. We're going to do the Q&A segment or the voicemail segment and the address the fan segment. And now I'm going to do the next segment, which is getting into our interview or the main topic, as my boys Brian and Mario might say. We're getting into it, man. Let's keep going here with the old Ski Rex Media Podcast. So this week on the Ski Rex Media Podcast, as always, the Ski Rex Media Podcast, Ski Rex Media as a whole is a learning experience. If I don't know it, I go find someone who does. I know nothing about uphilling and touring. Um, I know very little about the rules. I know whalebacks rules because I'm there and I get to see people going up all hours of the day and night. Uh, but we want to talk about passes. You know, we all talk about our multi-mountain pass. We all have one. I have two. I actually technically have three because whaleback is on the freedom pass as well. So I can ski a ton of places in New England, but uphilling I can't do, but it is available to those who want to do it, and they're going to try and make it easy with Ed Warren from Uphill New England. Sir, how are you, Ed? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. I love it. Uh, this is actually very local to me. All New England, right? 
Obviously, New England. New England, but I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, we kind of we kind of blocked ourselves in with the branding there. Yeah, absolutely. I, although I do, as I've traveled throughout the country, many people think New York State is part of New England. Um, I tell them no, but if you would have had, you know, somebody over there, uh, Titus or um, the one down in Queensbury, West Mountain, I wouldn't have been shocked or surprised. It's spitting distance from New England. You could actually see both from New England if you look close enough. Well, but- our, our acronym is UNE, so we can just switch it to uphill northeast, and we got we got tons of states. You know, we're, <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> I love that. Plan for the future. You never you know go. how big it's going to go. go. So, Eddie's here to join us. He's going to tell us all about this. But first, as we always do, I have to ask, who are you and what do you do exactly? You'll explain it better than I will. My name's Ed Warren. I'm the managing director and founder of Uphill New England. So that means I lead a team of volunteers who have put together this new concept of Uphill New England. We're trying to build a vibrant community of uphillers. And the main initiative that we're working on is this multi-mountain pass here in New England. Sure. Now, there, I think we've all noticed the increase. Like, it was very sudden around the pandemic times that people were like, all right, I want to get out still. I'm going to go buy my skins. I'm going to get new skis, and I'm going to do it. Is that perception correct? It is. There's, There's actually a few different trend lines to look at, right? There's how many people are getting out and actually skiing versus how many people are buying new gear. And those two things don't necessarily always correlate. So I think there was actually a huge surge of people buying backcountry skiing gear right around the pandemic. And then that tailed off for a while afterwards. But what's happened in parallel is actual usage, just people like getting out there and getting after it that has continued to skyrocket. And I believe it Um, at Whaleback, like I was saying before we started recording, I see people going up all times of day and night, too. This is not just a daytime sport. This is a nighttime sport Um, on your board. Mark Adamczyk, like we said, from the Dartmouth Skiway. Shout out to Mark. He was saying how he's seen people up at the skiway very late at night, um, which says to me, people not only, as you were saying, are gearing up to do it, but they are out there doing it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. uh it's something, you know, look, obviously there's, we'll, we'll get into it about different rules at different times of day, at different ski resorts, but you know, we're, you and I are both lucky to be near places uh, in Whaleback and, and uh, Dartmouth Skiway that have very liberal policies. And so you see people skiing all hours of day and night, um, you know, backcountry skiing, ski touring all hours of day and night. Oh yeah, man. You got to be careful. Like if you're an alien believer, man, don't look up there. Yeah. You just see lights buzzing around and it's like, is that something? Like, yeah, that's just skiers getting at it. Um, and then and you look closer whole... and there are these strange creatures dressed in spandex and you're like, I definitely saw an alien. Definitely saw an alien and it very well might have been. Dude, I am all about it. When I'm working the top of that chair after dark at Whaleback, because they have night skiing, I'm looking around in the woods like, where are they? Bigfoot, aliens, something. I don't care. Something different. <laughs> I love skiing, but, you know, it does get kind of tedious to just watch the chair go by. It's very strange. Strange sports, strange everything. But you're right. There are a lot of different um, rules, regulations, pass rules, ticket rules, pricing, not pricing. Um, I feel like a big part of what you're doing here was to make that easy. So is that right? That is right. I mean, at the highest level, we're trying to build a community, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we said is, what can we do that's useful to the community, right? And so Mm -hmm. we, what we realized is one of the things the community needs the most is access to uphill terrain, right? Unfortunately, here in New England, 
deep powder in the backcountry is not guaranteed, right? And totally. so if you like human-powered skiing, you end up going to ski resorts. Yes. So having access to those ski resorts is really important if, you, if this is your favorite way to get a workout in. So access mm -hmm. to ski resorts first and foremost. Then there's the question of just what are you allowed to do, when, how, by what means? It, it gets really complicated really sure. fast. I mean, everything from... So, I mean, there are ski resorts that have policies that have certain hours of the day, certain trails are allowed to be open. I mean, it can get really complicated. And one of the things we wanted to do was at least start to gather all that information and make it easier to access that. And sure. then in the next step to start actually streamlining some of that information. But first, it's just help make bring some order out of the madness of all the different policies and uh, and processes around it absolutely and that's that's a wonderful thing because you you notice that even if you don't do it i haven't started yet i would like to get into it i would really like to try it everybody i talk to says it's a ton of fun great exercise it's the um, best it's the best and you're not the only person to say that people love it i i've, I've started to talk to people who have uh thought about just doing it exclusively which yeah. you know more power to you man if you want you know, to do that. One of the things I, I say to people is like, it is, you know, oftentimes when you go to a ski resort, you, you're focused on the lift, right? And how much time you're sure. spending in the lift line, right? Mm -hmm. When you, even though you're getting tons of actual vertical, right? I mean, you're, you're skiing tons of laps, you're getting lots, but you're kind of obsessed with how much time you're sitting in lift lines, right? If you're sure. in a place with long lift lines. When you backcountry ski or where you, you ski tour, you go uphill all of a sudden you're thinking about this more as now an uphill adventure and oh there's this delightful surprise of a downhill ski at the end of it right sure. and so it totally changes your perspective on the whole thing and you find yourself saying oh wait a minute i'm getting a workout in and i get to do the sport i love with no waiting or anything else and it, i think that's just why it, it so many people latch on to it i would agree and, and, and we could definitely talk about the feelings of it but to go back to what you said trying to bring you know some kind of uh 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 you know, uniformity to it. I mean, first your website, which I'm, I'm looking at, you have a, a set of general uphill best practices and whatnot. And then you actually have links to every hill um, that are on there. We'll go over who's on the pass too in a, in a bit, guys. When we try to sell you a couple passes, we'll get into that. Um, but, you know, you, you've definitely made it easier. And that's what I was going to say. I, you know, like we all know, even if you don't do it, it's – it's it, it can be complicated, you know, stay to this trail. Don't come during this time of day. Don't bring your dog, you know, whatever it is, it can be complicated. And that was one of the things that really got me down to it was that you, you you've made it easier. And I appreciate I appreciate technology and I appreciate easier. And I well, think you've done that. No, I appreciate it. And, and in fact, one of the things you may or may not know about is that we we developed a mobile app. So we, yes. it's not just that we created the links on the website, but if you, you can go, even if you don't have an Uphill New England pass, you can go download the Uphill New England mobile app and you can see all the live updates from ski resorts there. You can get push notifications when things open up. And so that what we realized was when you're on your phone in the cold weather in the parking lot, trying to find the uphill section of the website of the ski resort. A lot of sure. skiers say, this is getting, this is getting impossible. I'm frustrated. I'm just going to go ski. 
And then they, they can get in trouble because they're in a place they shouldn't be. And so what we said was, mm-hmm. let's get ahead of that. Let's make the information easy. Let's put it in, the, you know, in, their, in their hands through the mobile app. And that's awesome. I actually did want to bring that up, and I'm kind of glad you you did the segue for me. It makes it so much easier on me, dude. Uh, but the technology, one of the things I was saying to Ed before we started, one of the things, like, because I work with Whaleback a lot, I knew this was coming not too far in advance, but before the public knew. Um, John, Alex, I talk to those guys all the time over at Whaleback. Shout out to them. Uh, but if you'll notice, if you ski whaleback, or even if you don't, I'm sure it's similar other places. You come up by their lit chairs, the shed around their lift chair, the bottom of their chair, and there's a sign says "Uphill New England" with the QR code, like, and with the app, you really have embraced the technology. Like, you can just ski by, scan this thing, and keep going if you're fast enough on the trigger there. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we had to think through was what is it like to make uphillers a real part of mountain operations, right? Like right now, uphillers aren't a part of normal mountain operations. All the systems are designed for people who get on a chairlift, right? Whether it's how you buy your physical ticket or whether you scan it, right? Whether there's an RFID tag attached, um, all those systems kind of funnel people through an assumption that they're getting on the chairlift, right? Uphillers don't do that. And they can just go anywhere. And that actually creates a lot of headaches for ski resorts. It creates, you know, uh, you know, we, there can be a mismatch of information. Like someone can go off on, on the mountain and not realize that something's closed. And so we said, we need to figure out some way to create one simple, streamlined way to get everybody to start acting in a similar way so that we can sure. figure out a new streamlined check-in process for the uphillers too. And we settled on these QR codes. All you do is pull out the app, point at the sign, you're instantly checked in. And it will even, upon checking in, tell you any notifications about the mountain that might be particularly useful. That's amazing. So you really have embraced technology like for a small operation, obviously. And this is the first season, correct? Correct, or first season. First season. season. So for a small operation, you have put together something akin to or similar to like the Epic Pass app. That does very similar things. You can get all the information you need about all the hills, all this and that. But that's this big corporate entity versus a small nonprofit, which you are, too. I forgot to mention that. This is Uphill New England is a nonprofit organization, right? That's right. That's right. Cool. So you have put even with that um, being smaller, you've put together you've used all the same technologies and that is so awesome. I mean, I'm lucky. I come from a background of startups. So I software startups. So I know that world. Uh, I was able to call in favors to past employees who've gone on to start their own apps. And that was how we were really able to frankly put together something that is much more sophisticated than you typically would see from an all volunteer kind of low budget nonprofit. Right. Yeah. And it, and it speaks a lot to a lot of things, even out like if we take this outside of ski Rex media and the ski industry, how accessible technology is these days that you don't have to have all this money or access to high end programmers or whatever. You can get it done. If you can dream it, you can do it. I know that sounds cliche and corny, but no, I'm a big, I mean, don't get me started on that. I'm a big fan of uh, technology <laughs> should be a way to make it easier for the little guy to win. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's, and there's, and, and it's not always the case, but um, it is, it is in cases like this. 
Well, let me tell you about this. This is something that happened to me last night uh, at Whaleback. Last night was Tuesday the 10th, so if you were there, I was the one scanning passes for a little while, and one of the guys said to me, as he's pulling out his pass for me to scan it, and, and Whaleback uses a barcode style. There's a QR code on their, on their, on their pass, on the physical pass, um, uses a laser-type hand scanner. That's all great. And he said something along the lines of, I can't remember the exact interaction they exchange, but he's like, God, I, I don't really want this place to, jo- to join the 21st century. Yeah. He likes the old school vibe, as many people do For love sure. that place. What do you think of that, man? How does that go with New Hill, New England? Oh, I mean, I, I totally, I, I, I vibe with that. I mean, the, the fact is that like these little community run organizations have so much character and we definitely don't want to undermine that. I see having, you know, a mobile app as a way of, frankly, empowering these little folks, right? Like the chairlift is still a 1950s chairlift, right? Oh, yeah. Like it is still volunteers who are helping make, you know, well back tick. Like the core and character isn't going away. It's just, frankly, trying to make people's lives easier. So, um, totally. you know. Big, big corporatization of Whaleback. I don't think that's the right path, but um, little tips and tricks with technology to make it run a little smoother. I think that's a great idea. Hey, that's cool, man. I embrace technology while we have it. One day the power is going to go out. We won't have it anymore. Um, (laughs) And, you know, adding a disaster movie joke here, whatever you want. So then if we're going to talk about technology, uh, let's also talk about the actual process, how it works. Yep. Let's start. You go to the website to buy your pass, or is this something you buy at the Hill? How does that part work? We'll start yeah, there. So you, you buy it online uh, through at the Uphill New England uh, website, so uphillnewengland.org. You um, you purchase it there, and then so it's really simple. You purchase it there. We then have an automation set up so that you get a big DocuSign that has all your information filled out with all 13 of the liability uh, releases of liability from all the different ski resorts. Again, this is kind of a unique thing in that these are independent resorts. They don't all have the same legal doc. So we had to come up with a creative way to get everybody to sign all these waivers without it being a huge headache. And so we came up with a cool integration with DocuSign to be able to have people uh, buy the pass and they instantly get sent a link, their name and email is automatically filled out throughout all 13 docs and they just have to click through the 13 and sign them. So really quick way to um, give people the ability, obviously they should review them. They are legal documents. There's your disclaimer, Um, but they are, um, uh, but uh, this is, you know, we we found a way to try to make that as easy as possible. So that's that's all the waivers. Um, We then distribute the funds to the different ski resorts. Oh, okay. Uh, We then distribute the funds to the different ski resorts. Um, uh, based on two factors. One, who's the primary mountain, right? So the primary gas sure. mountain gets the majority of the funds. Uh, mm-hmm. We then also distribute por- a portion of it to all the mountains, no matter what, just because we're all in this together and it's a rising tide lifts all boats situation. Okay. And then okay. Uphill New England takes a percentage at the end uh, just to fund our armbands, all the other things that we do to, to run the operation. Okay. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, these new, similar to the Indy Pass, there's a whole, and I've never asked Doug how that works. I said, that's too much. I don't even want to know. Um, so, but as you said, the distribution, that is something people are interested in, but there is a lot to that. And because that is business, we're not going to get into it here. Just know that it goes in three places when it's uphill New England, the primary, the collective, and to the organization. So very easy. 
DocuSign, all, everything all at once. That's amazingly easy. He's not wrong. Le- read the stuff. Ed is not wrong. Read it um, and then sign it. Some of it, I'm sure, is similar. Some of it is, like you said, they're all independent or mostly independent. So they're going to have little, you know, differences, little, you know, idiosyncrasies or whatever. Um, is there a physical pass or is that it? Do you just use the app? Yeah. So we send a, um, a physical armband. So that is the pass, is the okay. armband. That was another big part of this was... Again, how do you make uphillers a part of normal mountain operations? You've got to somehow make it clear that they're allowed to be there. So we have a high visibility neon green armband with the Uphill New England logo on it and Perfect. a unique number on every single one so that oh, there's, okay. like, you know, so you know it's your pass and, and there's a number associated with each person. So we ask that people put it on their leg or their arm somewhere that's high visibility. Um, and it, I, I have to say, it really helps. Like I've already gotten a nice note from, Waterville and other ski resorts who've said, you know, being able to like ski down and know instantly that all these people have their liability waivers signed, that they um, they've paid, it just makes for a much more positive interaction because they don't have to go up to them and kind of imply that maybe they don't have a pass purchased or something like that. So it's just a great way to kind of proactively get ahead of the issue. And that that is fantastic. Like we said, you're making it easier for the purchaser. You know, the person who's going to actually participate, you made it easier for them, but now you've also made it for the easy for the mountains too, Yeah, which is awesome, you know, and I support high-vis. That's my color, man. High-vis, yellow, green, whatever it is. I love it. I want everybody to see me. That's awesome. So you get that done. You'll have your physical pass. Um, You get the mobile app. Now, if the app, let's say not every ski area has a cell tower on top of it. Is there a a contingency for that or is that what the... uh, the physical pass for armband. Yeah, all the that. physical pass is the backup in that scenario. We, you know, we do ask that everybody digitally checks in every time. We actually have, I think, universal cell phone coverage at all our participating mountains, which is kind of really? surprising, but great. Um, you also can check in. We have signs both at the base of the mountain and at the top of the mountain. You don't have to scan it at both. But if you do, actually, it'll track your vertical. So this is this is another cool feature, which is you can track all your vertical throughout the year. L.L. Bean is giving $100 um, or giving $25 gift certificates to the top 100 people who do the most vertical throughout the season. So track your vertical, get a $25 gift certificate to L.L. Bean. Um, uh, So so you can check in, track your vertical, and you can also check in at the top of the mountain by scanning one of those top mountains. So if there's not cell phone service at the bottom, but there is cell phone service at the top, you can also check in that way. Wow, you, you really have taken every single step and looked at it because that question comes from the fact that there was a time, even last season, that uh, now I'm on the I use Verizon and I couldn't get a cell service up at the at Dartmouth Skiway or couldn't yeah. get cell service at Dartmouth Skiway. And again, I don't know if that's changed. I don't know who's putting towers <laughs> where. Obviously, many mountains have Wi-Fi anyway now that you can get around the base area. So it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a moot point anyway, but still you've got it covered. For, yeah, no, for sure. They have, you know, Dartmouth Skiway is a good example of one of the ones that has very limited coverage, uh, but they have Wi-Fi at the base, so that helps. And then um, they have barely enough service at the top, so you can also scan in there. Man, talk about having everything. Of, and again, it's impressive because you are a first season, you and, 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 your, and your team are, the, are a first season startup and have all the technology. It seems like all the know-how, like you got it covered, man. Now... So we know how to do it. You get your pass, you go, you scan, you check in, you're already signed up. Everything is great. Um, geez, that's really it, isn't it? It's that easy. 
it's really that easy, right? I mean, you have your past, you've already gotten all your liability waivers signed. So you can just show up at a mountain. You don't even have to go to the ticket booth and wait in line mm-hmm. to get anything. You can just go straight to the mountain and start and start skinning. Uh, you have access to the conditions on the mobile app. Um, so we really tried to make it just easier for folks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that. I mean, we have, um, as I mentioned, in the app, you can... Um, you actually also have access to a whole bunch of other benefits, um, some that you can take advantage of on the mountain or otherwise. I mean, we've set up a raffle with a ton of corporate sponsors, everything from um, White Mountain Ski Company and Alpina and L.L. Bean to um, uh, to uh, Backcountry Alliance um, or Backcountry Access, excuse me, the the BCA, the um, Avalanche Company, tons of gear that you can, uh, that we're going to be raffling off all based on how many different mountains you check in at. So the more mm. mountains you go to, the more raffle tickets you get, which is a fun dynamic. Okay. Um, and then there's other like promotions too. I mean, we have, you know, 10% off lift tickets at some of our ski resorts. Um, you got uh, 20% off uh, a variety of other things. All of this is in the member benefits section. So we tried to load this up and make this as valuable a pass as possible to all our community members. And, and and you aren't kidding, man. I'm looking at, like, the raffle prizes. That just happened to be where I scrolled when you stopped. We got uh, uh, gear from REI, Elon, Hagen, yep. uh, some Fisher Boots are ch- chilling, a store credit parlor. Man, there's all kinds of crazy stuff up here. Yeah, we got, I mean, again, we'll be laughing off multiple pairs of skis, boots, uh, like, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of gear. So it's... Uh, so from someone... The- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, I was just going to say, so if you're, you know, this is a small community of uphillers, right? And a heck of a lot of prizes. So uh, a lot of people will be benefiting from this. I was going to (laughs) say, to me, uh, again, this is outside of Ski-Rex Media. This is more just Tim being in management and logistics and all this other stuff. You have gotten a lot done. Kudos to you and your, your, your group, man. How did you get all this done? All the technology which you touched on, all these corporate sponsors, like these are these aren't like little, not that I'm downing on local little people, but I'm saying these are huge. Some of these, like this yeah. is incredible. How did you get? You know, all I appreciate team? it. I, I look, I mean, it is, it was a combo of factors, right? I mean, one, I, I basically had some time on my hands and I said, I'm going to take a few months and I am going to work an insane amount on trying to make this thing happen. And so the really from concept to launch was a matter of months. Um, it was just extremely long hours to try to make this happen. Um, but it was a project that I thought was worth doing and I was excited about. Um, and then, but really it was that like, we, I think we, we hit a niche, right? Like you talk about this in business product market fit. We figured out that there was a real hunger for a sense of community here. There was frustration about how to manage all these different policies. I mean, we, we kind of, we hit the nail on the head with the problem and that's not always the case. A lot of businesses, including ones I've started have not hit sure. the nail on the head, right? So you don't always get that alignment of problem and solution, but sure. it really happened. And what happened is we gave, when that happens, just a bunch of good things happen. We got awesome volunteers, right? We got people who are great at social media who jumped on board and started building up our social media presence. We got people who work in corporate sales and said, I'm going to go out and reach out to all the corporate sponsors and try to build this up. We got people who are good at you know, web content and building uh, content calendars. Um, you know, just a bunch of people came out of the woodwork to help on sure. this. And it, all, and it was because it was something that people were excited about and wanted to see happen. And so yeah. really it was just an issue of finding the right solution for the right moment. And then a bunch of great people all getting involved. 
That's incredible, man. Uh, again, it's it's hard to believe. Like I said, I know I've said it like four times, but first season, startup, nonprofit, and it's like you've been here the whole time and have all this backing and all this technology. It's wonderful, dude. It, it really is. It looks great. Um, I, I'm clicking around the website right now at the same time because, you know, why prepare ahead of time? Why not just do it while you're, you know, talking? Um, whole thing's here, uphillnewengland.org. Very easy. Um, and you can get your pass. You can get on board. You can see pictures of everybody. Uh, there's Ed right there. There's Mark from the Skiway. We know him. I don't know anybody else on this list. Just tons of people and, you know, social media, the whole thing, Facebook, Instagram. It's it's really great. Uh, I say go out and get it. So do you um, put a, uh, like some passes, stop sales, you know, just, just to not, overrun any one place did you have to do that or do you not need no, to do I mean, that with 13 ski resorts and people spread out across four different states um you know we have we're not anywhere close to you know selling too many at this point um, sure but we've had an amazing response i mean we couldn't be happier with how all this has gone i mean the community has been so positive um but we yes yeah, so, so no limit um, we'll probably, okay. you know, eventually, you know, sales will taper off when, you know, we just get far enough into the season where it doesn't make sense for people to be buying a season pass anymore, okay. but sure. we're still, um, we're still selling away and having a great time doing it. Cool. So right now in January, my friends, you can get your uphill new England pass. If you would like to no limits. And again, I don't see it, um, again, not downing it, but the number of uphillers versus lift served folks is, is, is much smaller so I, oh, I wouldn't sure. assume there was a limit, but just in case, you know, people oh, yeah. would like to know that. I do have a couple questions about uh, concerns that I've heard about an all uphill pass. Now, some people get in on should should a mountain, and in this case, a pass, charge for uphill. Like we're not using your lift, so what are we charging you for, or what are you charging us for? How would you address that? I would say absolutely ski resorts are justified in charging. If they choose not to out of the goodness of their heart, that's totally fine. But what people have to remember is that lift access is only one of the really important services. In fact, it may not even be the most important service, which is snow that is actually on the ground and skiable. And in New England, that is really hard to come by, right? I mean, we fortunately have now had some storms, but it has been a bleak start to the winter. And it's only with multi-million dollar snowmaking operations and grooming that we can possibly have skiable terrain in, you know, sure. in situations with freeze thaw, like cycles and, you know, and kind of some of the brutal con- conditions of New England. So what I say is it's, first of all, it's a, it's a valuable service, the snowmaking operations. There's other valuable services like access to the, the, the lodge, right? Like, you know, all the other amenities and the convenience that comes at it for it sure. you know, with that. Um, but also there's a totally separate argument, which is if uphillers are not customers, and I, I alluded this to this before, if ski resorts see uphillers as a kind of a sideshow to be tolerated, mm. uphillers are not going to get long-term high quality access to the mountain. Okay. They'll, all, they'll always kind of be secondary, right? But if they're viewed as customers, just as much as, you know, guests of the mountain as downhill skiers, that puts them on an equal playing field, right? And it ensures that 
they are in the minds of the ski resorts, somebody that the ski resorts should want and encourage to be at the mountain just as much as a downhill skier. And so by charging, you really start to shift the mindset from kind of a community service to a like a, a mutually respectful customer relationship there. And sure. I think that's really important to ensuring long-term access. And that is a great argument for that. Um, I mean, I support uphilling. I say go for it. Um, but you're right in that if, you know, the mountain starts to see enough of those green armbands, they're going to be like, all right, this is someone we now have to put some thought into because that's money going up that hill. They see a different color green. Not going to lie. Yeah. Which nice, is fine. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a business. Whatever, dude. We, we're not here to talk about the business end. And believe me, I, I was in retail and logistics and have some business education. I still don't even get it. Ski industry is a weird business. It's just that's plain for, weird. That's for sure. Oh, uh, God. Who said that to me recently? It was Tim Smith up at Waterville yep. Valley. He's like, it is just a weird business. And I was like, it is a weird business. And that's kind of why I like it. Now, there is a group of a subset group of people uh, subset the right i might be blowing my words kids don't listen to me well don't listen to that there are those who argue against uphill completely like keep it out of bounds don't bring it in bounds um i don't know i don't really know the art this is just i've heard this alluded to i've never actually talked to anybody about it but have you heard anything like that or any criticism like that any hater stuff or anything of the like Certainly. I mean, overall, we have had an enormously positive response from folks. Everybody seems to say, you know what, this like makes sense, right? Uh, we're, we're supportive. Uh, there are some ski resorts, I think less skiers, but more ski resorts that take the attitude of, eh, this niche of uphilling, it's not really worth our time. It's kind of a headache. There's not as much money in it. So let's, let's not encourage this, right? Okay. Not, not our ski resorts, not the ski resorts that are participating in our past, but there are ski resorts that do take that attitude, right? That say, sure. like, look, I can make more money off of somebody that is paying for a downhill ticket than an uphill ticket. Um, and with limited parking, I should you'll only encourage those folks. Those folks. Uh, I will say there are actually legitimate concerns that ski resorts have. That's actually one okay. of the arguments that we make, which is sure. ski resorts have some legitimate concerns and we actually agree with a lot of those concerns. Our attitude is, well, let's just work together to address the concerns. Let's not right. shut it down. Right. So we can talk about sure. a couple of those if you want, but that's, yeah, uh, that's our general approach. Yeah. Totally learning experience, man. Like I said, there's some, that point I've only heard a little bit. I've never like the cost, the charging for uphill i've been in that discussion but the against it i really haven't it's just little bits so yeah. yeah if you could help us man understand those concerns for sure i mean i think the you know first of all there's the question of safety right safety is always number one right so if you have people who are going uphill on a downhill slope if there's a blind corner if there's a super high traffic area um, if uphillers are wandering back and forth across an icy slope, right? This can be an unsafe sure. situation, right? So designing an uphill route that makes sure there is as little conflict between, you know, potential conflict between the uphillers and the downhillers, that's sure. really important, right? But again, most of these ski resorts have a lot of trails and a lot of different options for how to get up there. Some even have trails in the woods, right? They totally take you off of the, the downhill slope. So, okay. uh, so that, that's one, that's one issue. Safety. Uh, 
the next, you know, some of the other issues that come up are around, um, you know, cost and revenue, right? People say, like I said before, we have limited parking. Uh, so imagine you're a ski resort that literally runs out of parking on the weekends, sure. right? They're going to make an economic business case of who mm-hmm. are the guests that we most want and who are the ones sure. that we don't want. And for them, they may say, you know what, like these uphillers, we just don't think they spend as much money at our mountain. So why should we encourage them? Now, again, Fair enough. we think that there is, you know, first of all, that these are actually no longer car wearing tele skiers in the 1990s, right? In the sure. 2000s, that was me for the record, right? Yeah, um, right but, um, but, you know, that is, uh, but that these are folks who actually like may stay at the mountain. They may have kids, right? They yeah. may use other services at the ski resort. So we should stop thinking about them as people who are just here to do a quick lap and leave and never come back to the mountain and start bringing them into the ski resort operation so that we think of them as, you know, real full guests. That's one. And then the last one is just headaches, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and we've talked a lot about them here, but given the first two things, safety and, and, and revenue, the last one is just, you know, a lot of ski resorts are like, say to themselves, I am overwhelmed by everything that's going on at my, you know, at my operation right now. Why should I try to create new systems for checking in you know, uphillers and armbands and all this is different than what sure. I normally do for my downhill? Like maybe I'm fine with it, but it's just not worth my time, they say, okay. right? And so they say, you know, we're just, we're just not going to bother because it's a headache. That's where we can help offer the most help really easily, right? We totally. basically came in and said, let's solve all your headaches. We're going to solve the liability question. We're going to have the high visibility armband waiver. We're going to have a check-in system with data about who was on your mountain, right? All those factors. And so we said, you, may, you, have, you have these other concerns, but one concern you don't have nearly as much anymore is all those collective headaches because we've helped solve that. So that's our general approach. We, we think they're legitimate concerns. But if you're smart about how you do your uphill route, if you think about them as guests, right, uh, sure. equal guests, and then you, you work with us to, to minimize all the headaches, you have a really powerful argument for why uphillers should be a part of normal ski resort operations. Absolutely. And I'm sure any operations person has someone come into and say, hey, you know that line of extra people you got coming to your desk? We're going to take that out. So you don't even have to see them. It's like, well, by all means. And I yeah. still get money? Yeah. Let's go. Also, I, the idea of um, making the community more part of like seen as a guest, as an actual customer, as you said, um, it, it almost kind of then turns uphilling almost into a feeder similar to, I guess. And you can tell me if I'm completely off the mark here, similar to like indoor and what that's becoming and what it will become once uh, Alpine X gets their their facilities going. They just updated, by the way, everyone check that out. Alpine mm-hmm. X got things going on. Um, but, you know, they're not saying they're not trying to be here to come. Obviously, everybody wants to compete. You all need your your piece, but we're not here only to compete. We're here to we'll take them sometimes and you get them the rest of the time. And that's kind of like this. You know, one day this person might come to your hill and uphill. The next day they're like, well, I did that yesterday. I'm getting on the lifts today. And, you know, whatever. Cross country skiing similar. With That's the exactly Indy Pass right. cross country. That's exactly right. I think for, for, for whatever reason, some people think of uphillers as, some, as a group of people that are totally disconnected from everything else related to the mountain. And sure. they're not, right? Like my buddies do a lot of uphilling. 
And then on a powder day, they say, no, let's go ride lifts because I just want to ski as much vert as humanly possible. Totally. Right? And so this idea that we want to kind of ostracize one group of people and, you know, and not recognize that they're customers, I think is pretty short-sighted. So not yeah. a lot of ski resorts are doing that, but that's, you know, that's our argument for why you think of them more holistically. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that. Like I said before, I mean, I've talked to people who have considered going strictly uphill, but they, they are in the minority. They are few and far between. Most people say, I liked, I have my gear but they're telling me about their uphill gear sitting next to me on a lift. So everybody's exactly. doing, I can't say everybody's doing everything, but there is a cross. Um, you're right. Safety is the big thing. So everybody be safe. Um, there are places that are starting to teach uphill as well. Um, in fact, I think some of the partners on your pass on the uphill New England pass are beginning to teach. I think Whaleback is going to. Or yeah, maybe inclusive I can't ski remember. touring is a group that's partnered with Whaleback, and they have sure. um, a, yep. a, you know a bunch of events over at Whaleback. Uh, there's weekly uh, ski touring nights that you can do at, at Whaleback and other mountains as well. So uh, if you're looking to build a community, get have a routine place to get a workout in, it's a it's a really great opportunity. I think so too. And again, you can get a lot done. I believe. Um, Lindsay Delorier from Bolton Valley. Shout out. I'm name dropping like a son of a gun today. And yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just am. But we love Lindsay here. She's been on the broadcast a couple of times. Um, she was telling us that you can tour from Bolton all the way across to Stowe. I think I can't remember exactly how it works, but there's a lot of ground you can cover. Like there's a lot of cool things you could do at your partners, no less. Yeah. And Bolton Valley is a great example of a ski resort that, that leaned in to uphilling and their backcountry identity. And they said, sure. this is something that is an incredible service we have to offer the world. Let's rent gear around it. Let's do guiding. Yes. Let's like, let's open up new terrain. Right. And it became really similar to their Nordic operation. I mean, it was a whole feeder to the rest of the mountain. Yeah. And, and North and Bolton Valley is fantastic too. I love Bolton Valley. It's one of my top five. Um, so if you get out there on that pass and they're on another pass that I use the Indy pass. And I said this before we started recording just because I didn't know if it was going to be a stupid question or not. So I wanted to test it first with uh brother Ed here. Um, the majority of the partners and let me go get them again so I can read them off here. Unless you have them memorized. <laughs> I probably could get through it, but we don't want to sit here and... Um... All right, cool. And here's <laughs> more. That here it is. <laughs> so Berkshire East, Massachusetts, Bolton Valley, Vermont, Black Mountain of Maine, Bromley in Vermont, love Bromley, uh, Dartmouth Skiway just over the river, New Hampshire, Saddleback, Maine, uh, Big Moose Mountain. I don't know where that is. Way, way, way up in Maine. Way up in Maine. So there you go. Uh, Tenny Mountain out there just south of Waterville Valley. Um, shout out to Dan Egan and that group. Whale back. Shout out to John, Alex, and everybody else. My friends over there. Middlebury Snowball right up the road here. Middlebury, Vermont. Mount Abram, Maine. And then Waterville Valley out in Waterville Valley, New Hampshire. The majority of these are Indie Pass Mountains. And I asked you if that was done purposefully. but And, and you said it wasn't. That's just kind of how it worked out. You know, I think what we found is the mountains that were most receptive to this were the independent mountains, sure. right? And so that's why it correlated. I think there's a lot of these same independent mountains have joined the the Indy Past. But we found was the mountains that were not part of major ownership groups had the willingness to try something new. And so sure. it was something really delightful about a bunch of small – they're actually not all small. We got Waterloo Valley. We got Bolton Valley. We got um, uh, we got Saddleback, among others. Um, so some some really big resorts. But 
independent resorts to come together and say, let's try to make this better and see how we can grow it together. And that was, that was a really cool dynamic that came out of this. I think it is too. Like, I feel like the smaller independent type places where like with a corporate hill, you will see the first in technology. Maybe you will see the first in maybe amenities, things like this. But when it comes to community serve something or other, when it comes to trying something new for the people, the smaller guys, the independent ones, they will be at the forefront of that. That's kind of their thing. And that's the beauty of these places or one of the beauties of these places, I think. No, that's for sure. They were definitely, they were nimble, they're open-minded and uh, it, we really appreciated it. And it meant that we were able to go from zero to 60 in the first year, right? I, I was, I was going to be happy if we got five resorts on the pass in the first sure. year and to to be at 13, it was uh, was really exciting. And I expect next year to grow that number pretty significantly, right? With all the success we've had so far this year. Um, so it, was, it should only be more attractive for folks going forward in future years. I hope so, man, because it does look great. And like I said, it, you know, uphill or not, I'm just impressed with the work that you've done. It looks fantastic. I can tell you that skiing at Berkshire East, Bolton Valley, the Skiway, Waterville, Whaleback. I've been to all these places. I love them all. I'm at Whaleback Tuesday, Wednesday nights working lifts. I'm going to get to Tenny this year. I'm going to get to the Snow Bowl this year, hopefully Maine. One of these days, you know, for as many times I've been to Bromley in the summer and I've driven past it being that I grew up down there. You think I'd have skied Bromley. I still haven't. Shout out to them, though. I love them. Yeah, that's a great mountain. It's, it, it's, it's fantastic. It looks great. Um, they have a lot of diehards there. I drove by on a couple of those early rainy weekends we had there at the beginning of December, and the there were still people. The Mellick was still running, man. Nobody that's was playing great. around. Um, but and when people usually like that place for the sun, because it's south facing, you get all the southern exposure. But the rain, it didn't stop them, man. It was awesome. So there you go, man. Uh, safety first. We also said that learn your uphill safety. That's actually where I was going with places that are going to teach you how to do it. If you don't know, don't get your friends to teach you. Don't let your boyfriend teach you. You all will break up. Don't let your husband or wife teach you. You will get divorced. All that stuff. Go get a qualified instructor. I'm not just trying to sell whaleback ski school. Although if you're there. Check it out. But seriously, you will have a better experience if you have a professional ski instructor teach you. I'm sure uphill is the same. Yeah, no, I mean, look, the you can uphill is a community, whether it's from, you know, uh, one of these community groups like um, like uh, inclusive ski touring or others. There's a bunch of groups that have come together to try to make it easier to get into the sport. And that's really important. Absolutely. So before we go, man, we're already getting into the 40 minute mark. And we're just, we try to stay under an hour. We're going to try. If we fail, we fail, whatever. But um, so it could be these places. It may not. You're doing this. You do this. This this is your thing, man. Where where would you suggest? Which ones do you like? Which which you could do a top five. You could do a Mount Rushmore. You could just brag about something you've done. Whatever, man. Where, You're trying you to get me in trouble, calling out uh, calling, calling out certain peaks. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, a politician <laughs> if, here, and if um, they don't like it. I will go get them. I know half the people who run these. So. Well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give a very diplomatic answer here, but good boy. Such different things from each mountain, right? Like, yeah. for example. You know, Whaleback and Dharmaskiway are small, but they are, they have some of the most generous policies and hours. And they basically like let you, as long as you take, you know, at your own risk, they let you use the mountain as much as you want. And like, that's, that's incredible just to know that this is a spot, as long as there's snow on the ground, you can go. And so like, sure. that's, that is faithful, reliable, like a really good community vibe. So love, love those guys for that. Um, you have, 
you know, resorts up in Maine, some like resorts like Saddleback are these like hidden gems that are enormous, right? Sure. I mean, huge, you know, huge, but, but still independent ski areas. So you can explore tons of terrain. Same thing with Bolton Valley. Um, you got more mainstream resorts like uh, Waterville. You can do cool things like take the Tecumseh Trail, which isn't even on ski resort um, uh, property, but you can skid up there. You can get access to the top of the mountain and then you can ski the top portion of the mountain all day long over there. Sure. And so there's like all these cool nuances to each of these mountains. Um, and I, I could keep going. Mount Abram has an amazing community, right? Like there's, there's sure. just, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in these mountains. So those are some of the highlights. Absolutely. And again, you know, all kidding aside, I've said it like I do have my top five personal favorites out there, but generally there is no best. We can't say best, but it's too subjective of a thing. One person's best is going to be another person's worst for their reasons. So man, just get out there and experience them all. I like being a travel skier. That's why I like my Indy pass. That's why I like the Epic pass now too. I like my freedom pass in Whaleback. Yes, I can come home and go to Whaleback, but I can go to a thousand different places within an hour to three hours from where i am awesome dude well let's get in one more last round of plugs so everybody knows where to go can you give us the website social media yep, all website, that stuff? website is uphillnewengland.org you can also follow us on instagram at that same uh, name uphill new england that's where most people check in we have a newsletter that i highly recommend people subscribe to from our website uh, we give you a summary of all the events that are going on across all of New England. So if you want to hear about these clinics or how to get into it um, or just you know tips on which mountains are, uh, are opening or cool trails that you may not know about, that's all stuff you can find on the newsletter. So highly recommend subscribing to the newsletter. Uh, we also have some events coming up. We haven't announced this um, anywhere else yet, but uh, we're going to be partnering with White Mountain Ski Company and Black Mountain of Maine for last skier standing. That's a crazy oh, event that happens up there. And so we're yes. going to have a boots and we're going to have a community event. We'll do a, we'll do a skin and then we'll hang out in the bar together. So that's, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, uh, so that'll be the weekend of February 10th. Um, so that'll be a great chance to meet a bunch of people and have some community. So come on out for that. Last skier standing. If you want to talk about real superhuman freaks, like, these guys have to be aliens, man, to do that. You know what? I'm not even going to ruin it. I'm not going to give you a spoiler. Anybody who knows it knows what I'm talking about. These are the people Shout that – Shout out to my buddy Danny. He won last year. There you go. There we go. There yeah. you go, man. To These people, even if you are in good shape, will make you feel bad about being yeah. in bad shape because, man – they do superhuman things. Definitely really Superman, is. Superwoman-like, 100%. It's crazy. It's wild um, So check that out. White Mountain Ski Company, newly rebranded. That is the right place I'm thinking of, right? That's correct. We won't get yeah. into it. I just want to make yeah. sure I'm right on yes, that. Yes, that is right. Okay, so White Mountain Ski Company, write that down because things are changing um, or have changed. Um, and then you can have, you know, everybody can have their opinion on it. I, I, I've heard some of those opinions with much profanity. So... But we try to keep the show clean mouth these days, not like the old days of the Skier Expedia podcast. Awesome, Ed. Well, thank you very much. Don't this hang up right team. away. Yeah, man. Um, we'll definitely we'll check we'll definitely check in your preseason next year to see how well you're doing because you're already doing well, which is awesome. Things are going great. Things are going great. So um thanks again. Shout out to the whole team uh that works together on this. Um the team has been great, the volunteers have been great, uh our, our customers, the people who bought the pass have been great. So thanks, thanks to everybody involved. This has been a really and to of course to our ski resort um partners and to our corporate sponsors. So a lot of people to thank, but it's been really exciting to see all this come together. Cool, man. Hang on one second there. Don't leave, especially when I push the stop button, man. So 
Ed Warren is here. He talked about uphill New England. You heard it. All the links to the website will be the well, the links to the website will be in the uh, show notes, the description um, on your favorite podcast app, whatever it be. Once again, do not look it up while you're driving. If you're listening in the car, please wait till you stop. You don't want the ticket or worse. Um, awesome, dude. Get it if you're into it or if you are even interested in it. Get it. It's a decent deal. We didn't talk about pricing, but I think it's around 200 bucks, Mr. Ed. That's right. 200 bucks for access to 13, uh, unlimited access to 13 ski resorts. There you go. And if you're an uphiller, again, if these, these smaller passes that cost less and, you know, abuse it to the point where you feel bad. I said to John Hunt one day, you know, because the whaleback seasons pass was, you know, I think it's like 250 now, 300, maybe whatever it is. But I used it so much. I think I was down to like eight bucks a day ski. And I was like, dude, I think you're now paying me to ski. Good you know, you. it's right up the road for yeah. me. I'm there like every day. It doesn't matter. But anyway, kidding aside, man, this was great. Hang on a minute. Um, Ed Warren, Uphill New England, Tim from Ski Rex Media. We'll see you either on the uphill, on the downhill, whatever it is, man. Thank you, Ed, very much. Thanks so much. And there he goes, Ed Warren, Managing Director at Uphill New England. If you'd like more information, as we said, UphillNewEngland.org on the web, Uphill New England on Instagram. Very easy to find. Go ahead, check that out. If you're an uphiller and you're interested in the pass and you want to buy the pass, Ed said they're not limiting. They're not limiting, so they're still for sale. Go ahead, pick out the one that suits you best. There are multiple levels, as we said. UphillNewEngland.org. You can find out all the information there. You can find their contact information there. And of course, you can find the link in today's show notes. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope it gave us all a look into touring or touring or uphilling and why there are rules and some of the concerns, a couple of concerns and comments and queries and questions and things like this. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoy your uphilling and I hope you enjoy the Uphill New England Pass if you use it. New guests continue next week. That's right. Ski Rex Media always looking to have new guests and make new friends. Next week, we get into a topic in part that's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, but only a little bit because there's a bit of history in there. And I do like to have me some historical knowledge coming out of the something. I don't know. I biffed that. It's an educational program. It's a family program. There will be some education, but there will be some opera as well as Ryan Thompson and Jay Baldessari from 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company out there in Vail, Colorado. Join the program to talk about opera, to talk about whiskey, to talk about vodka and to talk about the 10th Mountain. The skiing soldiers started way back in the World War II in the World War II? Yes, started way back in World War II for high mountain campaigns, high mountain action, high mountain combat. It's a whole thing, and we get into the history of the 10th Mountain. We get into the history, and the we just talk about booze for a little while. We talk about skiing for a little while, and we talk about the 10th Mountain whiskey and the 10th Mountain units, and just check it out, you, because I just completely butchered that for the second time. But next week, Ryan Thompson, Jay Baldessari, we talk opera, we talk whiskey, and we talk 10th Mountain, right? Right. Thank you again for listening. I am Tim from Ski Rex Media, and I will see you out there on the mountains. And thank you for listening, and check out next week. And don't forget to follow and subscribe everywhere, and check out the website and everything. Links are in the description, my friend. Later. Later.